have a Bible today, let's open up to Job chapter 20. As tonight, Lord willing, we're going to go through a couple of chapters and we're going to learn uh, a multitude of lessons, man. Back in chapter 1, we were introduced to this man, Job, a man who the Bible says was blameless because he feared God and he shunned evil. Uh, He was also very blessed. He had 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys. Uh, He was blessed beyond that with seven boys and three girls. I mean, he was, the Bible says, he was uh, the greatest man in the East. I mean, just uh, blessed beyond measure until at the request of the devil... God allowed Job to be tested, and what happened was Job lost everything. He lost all his wealth, all his health. He was struck with excruciating pain on every square inch of his body, and there he was just sitting there heartbroken and hanging on to life by the skin of his teeth. You know, when you look at him, I mean, he's struggling, but he's not sinning. He's questioning God, but he's not cursing God, which is what the devil thought Job would do if he experienced such suffering. As a matter of fact, when you read the book of Job, the devil said that if you allow all these things to happen to him, that he will curse you to your faith, to your face. And and I was, as we were singing that song earlier, um, I was thinking about this. Uh, One of the lines, I'm not sure exactly how it goes, but it says, we will not be shaken. I think that's pretty much it, huh? We will not be shaken. And just kept saying it over, we will not be shaken. And as I was back there thinking about this book, I thought, Lord, you know, hopefully you'll take this word for your people So that no matter what happens in their life, if they lose everything, if they lose their health, if they lose their wealth, if they lose their children, if they lose their their marriage, whatever it may be, that, that nothing would ever happen to them so that they would be shaken out of a genuine and sincere faith in you. Because over the years, being a Christian, and now that I'm older, You know, in life, I've seen a lot of people, when they go through hard times, they disappear. You know, they're no longer serving the Lord. They're no longer in fellowship. And I mean, I just I just know this, you guys, we're going to go through difficult times. And so what I want to just pray that we would come away with in studying this is that when we do that we will continue to follow the Lord no matter what happens in life. You know, if we're teachable, what's going to happen is this man, Job, he becomes an example to us. He's an inspiration to us. And what will we do? How will we react when we find ourselves in the fire that tests our faith? You know, over the years, I've seen so many things happen. People walk away, but Job didn't. And when we see his example in the scriptures, I think, you guys, we're going to see that God has a work for us to learn as we study together. And so what I want to do is just kind of dive into this dialogue. Job has these three friends that are kind of talking nonsense. But let's pick it up in chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. It says, And then Zophar the Namathite answered and said, 
Therefore, my anxious thoughts make me answer because of the turmoil within me. I have heard the rebuke that reproaches me and the spirit of my understanding causes me to answer. Remember when the three friends went to Job, he was there for seven days. They didn't say anything because he just looked hideous until, you know, eventually Job begins to speak. And then you've got this guy, Aliphaz, you've got Bildad, you've got uh, Zophar, who was the worst so far. We're going to see the things that he shares, you know, and uh, they're going back and forth. Let me just share this with you. One thing that I've come away with that has been life-changing for me in the book of Job is that as I read him just being honest with God, uh, it, it makes me realize that when I pray, I can just be honest with God. You know, I'll, I'll just share this with you. This morning, I, I was when I was praying and I was talking to God, I was saying things to him that I, I think I've never said in my whole life. I mean, I was just saying, Lord, you know what's going on. You know how I feel. You know this struggle that I have and, and this and that. And I was just sharing these things. He knows our struggles. There's just something, however, you know, that takes place when you articulate it to him. The, the, the book of uh, 1 Samuel, Hannah, it says she poured out her heart to God. And so, you know, that's what Job is doing. You know, he's having a hard time. He's saying, God, I don't even know where you're at. I mean, I lost everything. I was, I was blameless. I loved you. He would wake up every morning. Think about this. He'd wake up every morning and he would pray for his family just in case any of them had sinned, any of them had cursed God. I mean, he just was so right on. And then, you know, it was kind of like the most right on man And the whole world suffered the greatest calamities that any man could ever experience. And so as he's going through that, he's talking to God. He's saying, Lord, I don't understand. You're silent. I feel like you're absent. I don't understand why this happened to me. And, you know, I want my day in court. I want to be able to talk to you about this. That's another thing. I don't know about you, but... Do you guys ever do that when you're praying, saying, Lord, can, I just, can you just talk like in an audible voice? Because right now I need to hear like some direction. And then it's just silent. You know, Job is, is struggling. And, and as a friend, if you were to go visit someone who was going through a hard time like him, hopefully you wouldn't be like all in his face like these guys were. They were miserable comforters. That's what the Bible says. You know, um, a lot of times, even when we're going through hard times, we say things that we don't really mean. It's like tongue in cheek. They didn't have that sympathy. And so they're just going back and forth. And what we're going to see today is, again, they're saying that, Job, the reason you're suffering is because you're in sin. And so right here in verses 1 through 3, we see that Zophar is anxious to speak. He doesn't like the way Job has rebuked him. And he thinks he's got a lot of wisdom and understanding. You see that word there in verse 3? He, he thought he was a, a, a know-it-all, right? But he was, uh, he was really wrong. Notice verse 4. He says, Do you not know this of old, since man was placed on earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment? 
You know, Zophar says to Job, this is an ancient truth, the, the triumph and joy of the wicked is only for a, a slight season. I mean, come on, it's, a, it's an old truth. Everybody knows it, right? And, and what he's doing is he's implying there that he believed Job to be a wicked hypocrite whose time was short and whose season was about to end. So we read in verse 6, though, though his haughtiness mounts up to the heavens and his, and his head reaches to the clouds, yet he will perish forever like his own refuse. Now you know what refuse is, right? That's what he's saying. It doesn't matter how high he, he goes, man, he's, he's going to come down like that. Those who have seen him will say, where is he? He will fly away like a dream and not be found. How many of you here, you, you, you forget your dreams? Like you wake up in the morning, you're like, man, I know I dreamed something, but I, I just cannot remember it. You know, that's me, you know. So sometimes I'll write it down. If I don't write it down, I'll forget it. But that's kind of what he's saying about Job. I mean, he's just saying, you know, you're, you're going to die. You're going to be forgotten. You're going to be flushed down the toilet like refuse. I mean, it's crazy what he's saying. You know, verse 8, he will fly away like a dream and not be found. Yes, he will be chased away like a vision of the night. The eye that saw him will see him no more, nor will his place behold him anymore. You know, and, and, it, and it doesn't matter how high and mighty you were previously, Job. Uh, Zophar says in modern vernacular, we're going to flush you down the toilet. Good riddance, forgotten forever. And it's just a really low blow. What's going on right here? What's going on? The devil is speaking through Job's friends. And he's trying to twist his mentality, his view of God. And I thank God that even though his experience went against it, even though his friends were going against it, he held to the truth and he was not moved. No, it doesn't work like that. You know, Job will defend himself later and talk about how this is not how it always goes. You know, I mean, this is so wrong. Job, we see it now. I mean, he wasn't forgotten, right? I mean, you might as well chisel his face on, on, on Mount Rushmore. He is not forgotten. He is etched in history. He is a man that we learn from. Here we are reading about him 4,000 years later. And Zophar was so wrong. But he goes on talking trash in verse 10. He says, His children will, will seek the favor of the poor, and his hands will restore his, his wealth. His bones are full of his youthful vigor, but it will lie down with him in the dust. And, and verse 11 right there, it speaks of uh, people dying young, you know. And uh, that might be in reference to Job, who in those days, 70 years old, was considered a little young to die. Um, but it might be in reference to his children, right? Or both. They, they died young. The, the bad people, they die young. And there in verse 10, Zophar says, that's what happens to the wicked Job. His descendants are, are poor because he has to give back all the dishonest gain that he got. And, and he's going to go on now from verse 12 through uh, 18. He's going to give like a picture. So Job got all this wealth. You know, Zophar thought he got it uh, in a bad way. So he said, hey, man, you got to give it all back. 
That's what we read next in verse 12. He says, Though evil is sweet in his mouth, and he hides it under his tongue, though he spares it and does not forsake it, but still keeps it in his mouth, yet his food in his stomach turns sour, it becomes cobra venom within him. He swallows down riches and vomits them up again. God casts them out of his belly. And he will suck the poison of cobras. The, the viper's tongue will slay him. He will not see the streams, the rivers flowing with honey and cream. He will restore that for which he labored and will not swallow it down from the proceeds of business. He will get no enjoyment. And that, that was their theology. That was Zophar's theology. That's some of the, the, the theology of the people you'll see on television nowadays. You know, just this weird things like this. In this case, uh, Zophar paints this picture of a man whose sin kind of tastes good in his mouth, but as he swallows those riches, you know, everything changes. It kind of turns to poison, and then, and then he vomits it up again. In, in verse 19, uh, he provides a specific sin. And, and basically what he's saying is that if you're a bad person and you make money, then God's going to take it away from you. I mean, it was, I, I think most of us here know that's not how it works, huh? Uh, what's that boxer guy? He's making a lot of money. I forgot his name. You guys probably know his name. Um, I mean, he's so rich. And, and from what I've seen, and again, I'm not judging him. Only God knows his heart. He is not a good guy. He's probably going to die rich. God doesn't always take it back. These guys are, are, are just way off. Sometimes you've got wicked people. They make a lot of money. They have a good life. They sing. They dance. They rejoice. They got good clothes. Their kids are taken care of. They, they die at the age of you know, 87 in their sleep. I mean, these guys are thinking that if you're bad, then God, God takes care of everything right here, right now. As a matter of fact, their theology says that your, your good season is going to be very short. And so they're telling Job, that's why you're, you lost everything. You're vomiting it back up. In verse 19, he gives them a specific sin, for he has oppressed and forsaken the poor he has violently seized a house which he did not build. And you know, this is one of the few places in the book of Job where they get specific in the sins that they accuse him of. You know, question, you guys, did Job oppress the poor? I mean, did he steal someone's house wrongfully? And of course we know the answer is no, because if Job were guilty of this, then why did God himself call him blameless? In chapter 1 and verse 1, and 1 verse 8, and chapter 2 verse 3, God said he's blameless. So he did not oppress the poor. He did not rip off some poor guy's house from him, right? I mean, it's just, it's just foolish. It was a lie. And, and what we find is that the enemy is an accuser of the brethren. You know, here's... Uh, the second reason that a lot of people believe some people are in sin, you know, he's in sin. Number one, because he's suffering. And number two, because they heard it through the grace vine. Right? Yeah, I heard that's what Job did. 
you know, and you guys know how it is. Maybe Zophar heard it, you know, from a believer. Um, and, and you're like, well, how does it all work? I just know this, and even in the church, that believers, they gossip too. Huh, they talk stuff too. It's crazy what people will say about others, you know, what they say about Billy Graham. You know, I'm serious. You go online and you, you know, Billy Graham sacrificed the cat to the devil, you know, and it's like, where, where do you get that information from? I mean, it's just crazy the things that they fabricate, right? And so for us, what we know is that there is a, a, an element of slander and gossip and it takes place even in the church. You know, believers don't necessarily gossip. They just pretty much share prayer requests. I think that's the way it usually works. You know, and then you know how it is. I've learned this in life. Haven't you guys learned this? That people will believe what they want to believe. Huh, that's just the way it is. You know, I read something heavy about gossip, describing it as a personal confession of malice. It's heavy. That's why they're gossiping. That's why they're backbiting. That's why they're slandering. It's because they hate them. And another person call it social sewage. Careful with that stuff. It's so bad. But, you know, it travels so fast, right? I mean, one person said it's the fallen nature's megaphone. And one philosopher said, I know of nothing swifter in life than the voice of a rumor. You know, some time ago, Dr. Albert Cantrell, a, philo- a, pr- a professor at Princeton University, he conducted a series of experiments to demonstrate how quickly rumors spread. And he called six students to his office and he said, in strict confidence, don't tell anyone, he told them that the Duke and Duchess of Windsor were planning to attend a certain university dance. So within a week, one week, it completely reached nearly every student on campus. Town officials phoned the university demanding to know why they had not been informed and press agencies were frantically calling for the details and, and Dr. Cantrell, he made this observation. He said, that was a pleasant rumor. He said, gossip travels even faster. You know, and I don't know for sure. Maybe I'm reading into it. But, you know, verse 19, this guy was under this, uh, uh, he, he thought Job has oppressed the poor. I, I know no, he has. I heard it, man. He took someone's house. But it, but it was a lie, right? Now, Zophar goes on to describe the wicked in verse 20. He says, because he knows no quietness in his heart and he will not save anything he desires. Nothing is left for him to eat. Therefore, his well-being will not last. And so he goes back to that message uh, and he says, this is why Job has lost everything because of his wickedness. He's being forced to give it back. And then he threatens Job with an even greater judgment look at verse 22 he says in in his self-sufficiency he will be in distress every hand of misery will come against him and when he's about to fill his stomach god will cast on him the fury of his wrath and will rain it on him while he is eating he will flee from the iron weapon a bronze bow will pierce him through It is drawn and comes out of the body. Yes, the glittering point point comes out of his gall. Terrors come upon him. Total darkness is reserved for his treasures. An unfanned fire will consume him. It shall go ill with him who is left in his tent. And that's his family. 
And so, you know, just in case, you know, there is that, that uh, I don't know, there is sometimes that mentality that, that, you know, justice takes place on planet Earth. But it doesn't always work that way, you guys. You, know, you might look at someone who's really wronged you in life or whatever the case may be, and you're, and you're, and you're wondering why God hasn't dealt with them yet. You know, well, one day they'll stand before him. You know, when you see someone suffering, you know, why was he born that way? You know, why did that happen to them? Why did he get the disease at that age? Whatever you do, don't assume it's because of someone's sin. It's not always like that. You know, right here, when this guy's talking about Job, I mean, he's talking about God's going to judge you, Job. You know, he uses the words fury, wrath, darkness, fire. That's what he's saying about Job. He uses the bronze there. And in the Bible, bronze is symbolic of judgment. And so, you know, verse 27, the the heavens will reveal his iniquity and the earth will rise up against him. The increase of his house will depart and his goods will flow away in the day of God's wrath. And he says, this is the portion from God for a wicked man, the heritage appointed to him by God. And of course, you know, Zophar is insinuating that Job is in sin, that Job is wicked. Of course, we know the conversation that God had with Satan. We know that Job is not wicked. And and even if if he were, uh, let me ask you a question. Does the earth really rise up against the wicked? We see that there in verse 27. The earth will rise up against the wicked. I mean, question, does the wicked man always get judged on earth? No, huh? We know that. I mean, do bad people always lose their homes? Of course not. The answer is no. And we see that in the experience of life. And and more importantly, we see that in the exposition of Scripture. You know, if you want to look up another uh, good passage that's parallel to this truth is Psalm 73. And we're going to touch on it a little later, but I'll let you guys read it. Um, Because a lot of times, you know, we might look at a person and they might have very little And they might even have very little health and very little wealth and whatever the case may be. We don't know what happened to their kids. But they actually might be one of the most godly people on planet Earth. We have to be really careful with stuff like this. You know, how does God deal with the wicked? This next chapter, it, it really teaches us a lot about that question look at verse 1 in chapter 21 it says and then job answered and said listen carefully to my speech and let this be your consolation bear with me that i may speak and after i have spoken then you can keep mocking and so he's asking them okay listen listen to what i'm going to say then afterwards you can beat me up okay but listen (laughs) to what i'm saying verse 4 as for me is my complaint against man and if it were Why should I not be impatient? Look at me and and be astonished. Put your hand over your mouth. Even when I remember I am terrified and trembling takes hold of of my flesh. You know, he talks about the complaining there. Is Is it against man? You know, one thing about complaining, if you're complaining about your life, you're not complaining to man. 
I mean, that might be the person you're talking to. But when you're complaining, you're complaining against God. If you're complaining about the hand that you've been dealt, then remember whose hand it is that dealt you that. It's not man's hand. It's not even the devil's hand. You know, one of the things we learn in the book of Job is that nothing happens in your life, nothing can that, that can touch you unless it's been filtered through God's hands. And so when we complain, we're not complaining about man. We're, we're complaining about God. We've got to keep that in mind and heart. But Job says, listen, I'm not complaining against you guys, but even if I were... I mean, come on, look at me. I mean, don't you have any sympathy? I'm hurting. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I'm afraid. You know, Job didn't have Romans 8.28, huh? All things work together for good. He didn't have that. Genesis 50.20, he didn't have the Bible. And so, you know, as he's going through this, it's amazing the way that God kept him in the truth. But, you know, he's having a hard time. You know, back to this discourse on the wicked, as we dive into this section, I couldn't help but think of Ephesians 4, verse 14, where the Bible says that uh, when we're taught the truth, we'll no longer be children tossed here and there and everywhere by every wind of doctrine. You know, when you know the Bible, when you know the truth, and you don't have to worry about someone you know, tossing you all over the place. That's what they wanted to do with him. But he was like that t-shirt we have, steadfast and immovable. Even though these guys were in his face, even though these guys were, you know, talking about this experience that he's going through, he had the, he had the truth and he was not swayed. Even though these so-called experts were telling him these things, he didn't back down. He held to the truth and he knew the truth that just because someone suffers, it doesn't always mean that they're in sin. And the wicked, Job knew, the wicked don't always see their sentence on earth. Some of them live what we might consider a pretty good life. That's just the way it is. Look at verse 7. He says, why do the wicked live and, and, and become old? Yes, become mighty in power. Their descendants are established with them in their sight and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. It's because they can afford the security thing system, right? Neither is, is the rod of God upon them. You know, as Job describes the wicked, he says they live long, they rise to various positions of power, their descendants are, are established. I mean, they don't suffer the rod of God on earth. I mean, he sees that a lot. Um, I remember when I got diagnosed with high blood pressure, the one thing I asked the Lord is, Lord, let me live long enough to see my children established. You know, I mean, just that was one of the things, you know, I want. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to necessarily get that because my kids are still at home and stuff. But, you know, I mean, bottom line is they know this. They love the Lord. And that's the most important thing. They're established in that. But he's just saying, this is the, the rich. I mean, they live long, you know, they probably can afford. Have you guys noticed this, that, that eating healthy is expensive? You know, I mean, tell, take me to McDonald's, man. I mean, that's what I can afford, you know. So these rich people, they go to like those, you know, those funky stores. You know, what are they called again? Um, yeah, I don't know. Those weird names. I mean, we go to, what's the, the over there? We go to those stores, man. <laughs> 
they live long. I mean, they live long. I mean, that, that's generally speaking what, what ends up happening. Uh, verse 10, that their bull breeds without failure, their cow calves without miscarriage. They send forth their little ones like a flock and their children dance. They sing to the tambourine and harp and rejoice to the sound of the flute. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. I mean, there are, are, are so many rebellious rich people out there, unbelievers that, that really got it made in the shade. Their children are part of the dance team, singing, rejoicing. They live this long, full life. And then there's like this swift, smooth, sudden transition into death without pain. And you know that, that happens a lot of times. And they're not believers. Look, look what it says in verse 14. Yet... They say to God, depart from us, for we don't desire the knowledge of your ways. And who is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we have if we pray to him? Indeed, their prosperity is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. I mean, these are people who to their dying breath want nothing to do with God. In in verse 16, in the Living Translation It says it this way, they think their prosperity is of their own doing. Job says, but I will have nothing to do with that kind of thinking. Verse 17, he says, how often is the lamp of the wicked put out? How often does their destruction come upon them? The sorrows God distributes in his anger. Now, now this is kind of, I got to tell you this while we read it. The New Living Translation does a better job in translating this section right here. Uh, when we read it in the New King James, we're thinking, okay, now he's saying something different. But the, the New Living Translation, it says it like this, yet how often is the lamp of the wicked put out? I mean, how often does their destruction come upon them? You know, How often do they experience the sorrows of God distributing it in his anger? You know, I mean, it, it happens occasionally, but not usually. And again, he's making his case that, that the wicked don't always live this life that God judges after a short season. He says in verse 19, they, they, they say God has, lays up one's iniquity for his children. Let him recompense him that he may know it. Let his eyes... See his destruction and let him drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what does he care about his household after him when the number of his months is cut in half? And here's another, uh, just things that, you know, that I think often can be misconceptions. They were teaching that Job's children died because of Job's sin. That's what they were teaching. But, but verse 19, it says it different. Job says no in verse 19. Let God recompense him. You know, let him recompense him. No, it's not that God will punish the children for the parents. No, if that's the guy that's doing the bad, then God will deal with him, right? Let the sinner see destruction. Let the sinner drink God's wrath. I mean, if he's a wicked man, he's not going to care if God gets his family before or after he dies. I mean, wicked guys, they don't even care for their families. So again, he's just trying to deal with their accusations. They, they thought that Job was suffering because of his sin, and they thought that his kids had died because of them. Um, there's a passage in Ezekiel 18, verse 20, that deals with that. It says, The soul who sins shall die. 
The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. And so these are things I, I think it's good to know. It doesn't mean that our sins won't affect our children. You know, my dad, you know, we started, no, no, I don't want to put him down. I thank God that he's a Christian now. But I remember drinking with him, my dad. And you know, I remember the little beers. You know, we were, we were having cores. I asked him, Dad, what about Bud? No, you know. I mean, I remember those days. Did that affect me? Yeah. I, I started drinking at a very young age. But as far as God punishing children for the parents' sins, that's not the way God operates. These guys were wrong. And I praise God that Job was not moved in his theology because he knew the truth. And we have to be the same way. Because if you don't know the Bible and if you don't know the truth, think about it now. We have the Bible. He didn't. If you don't know the Bible, then some guy's going to come knocking on your door. He's going to turn you into a theological pretzel. I mean... You know, you're going to go through the hard times in life and you're going to think, where are you, God? And God says, remember remember when you studied the book of Job? That in this fallen world, you're going to experience these type of things. And here's the thing that's amazing. Job was blameless and upright. He feared God. He shunned evil. He was was the the most strongest Christian or believer in in the whole world. But he still had some growing to do, didn't he? He did. He went through everything that he went through, and at the end, he, he just, it was like a, a quantum leap. He grew so much. And he said, man, before I heard of you with my ears, but now I see you with my eyes. And I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. I mean, he grew. And you know, for us here, we might think, well, I don't need to grow because I'm pretty good. Are you as good as Job? Job needed to grow and so do you. And guess what? It happens a lot of times when we go through the trials. And so we learn these things from Job. Look at verse 22. Can anyone teach God knowledge since he judges those on high? One dies in his full strength, being holy, at ease, and secure, his pails are, are, or his bowels are full of milk and the marrow of his bones is moist. Another man dies in the bitterness of his soul, never having eaten with pleasure. They lie down alike in the dust and, and worms cover them. You know, and, and Job is trying to say to these guys who think they got it all figured out, these guys who have all the answers, he says, come on. I mean, who are you, God? Only God knows why sometimes a person dies out of the blue, they seem so healthy. I always think of Craig's boss. You know, he was, he was a runner. He was in great shape. One day he just died. Well, I mean, how does that happen? And that person, they die in the, in the bitterness of their soul, never really having experienced, you know, the good things of life. Why was that one born in such a poor third world village country? And why was this one lavished with riches here? You know, why was that one born into a Buddhist family? That one born into a Christian family? We don't know why. Why did James die and John live? Why was Stephen's race like a little sprint and Paul's a marathon? We don't know. 
Now, why was Nick Vujicic born without limbs, no arms, no hands, no legs? Why? Was it their parents' sin? A lot of people have that mistaken mentality. And when you jump to conclusions like that type of judge, you make yourself out to be God. And we don't know why. You know, this guy, Nick Vujicic, he's amazing, man. He's an evangelist out there. He's preaching the gospel. God's using him in such an awesome way. And if he were to ask that question, why was I born without hands and, and legs? Uh, he does have a little foot. It's kind of like a little foot. Even he says, I know why. It's to prove to us that if God can use a man with no hands and no legs to be his hands and his feet, then certainly God can use those who do have hands and feet and arms and legs, right? And so he has his answer, and it's a good answer, but at the end of the day, we don't, all, we don't have all the answers. I'm a pastor. I know the Bible. I've read it many times. I don't, I don't, I don't, a lot of times, I don't know what to say. I just listen, and I let them know I'm praying for them. I mean, we can stand on the promises, but I don't understand everything. We get this, actual peace that surpasses understanding. And, and I just hate to tell you, last week I was talking to a lady after service and she's scared of studying the book of Job. She doesn't want to study it because then she thinks she's going to go through trials, right? And so she's not here tonight. And so, um, <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, Lord, these beautiful people, what are they going to experience in their life? It's so hard the things that you will face, the things that I will face. But don't let it move you. Look at verse 27. Look, Job says, I know your thoughts and the schemes with which you would wrong me. For you say, where is the house of the prince? And where is the tent, the dwelling place of the wicked? You know, they're like, it's gone. Have you not asked those who travel the road? And do you not know their signs? For the wicked are reserved for the day of doom. They shall be brought out on the day of wrath. Who condemns his way to his face and who repays him for what he has done? Yet he shall be brought to the grave and a vigil kept over the tomb. The clods of the valley shall be sweet to him. Everyone shall follow him as countless have gone before him. How then can you comfort me with empty words? since falsehood remains in your answers. And I don't know if you guys understand that, but if you do, it's, it's amazing what Job says right here, and he just drops the mic. Boom. <laughs> I'm serious. He says, you guys think that the wicked get judged here on earth? It doesn't happen until they die. They are reserved for the day of doom. And one day they're going to stand before God and they may have had everything like Luke 16 talks about the rich man who had everything. And there was Lazarus as a beggar at his gate. He had nothing. I mean, all he could do was kind of feed himself with the crumbs that fell off the table. And then the day came when they died. And the Bible says that Lazarus went to heaven. Those, that, the version of heaven back there was Abraham's bosom. But the rich man... He went to hell. See, and Job knew the word. You know, he knew the truth. And therefore, nothing shaked him. 
And so prayerfully, you guys, as we go through hard times, as we get hit hard, we're going to get hit hard in life. I wish I could tell you that you're not, but you will. Prayerfully, it it might knock you down, but it doesn't knock you out. I'm not saying that you're not going to hurt, but man, it won't halt you. It won't stop you from the calling of God upon your life to follow him with everything that you are so that not only will you make it to heaven and you know just enjoy that relationship with him but people are going to watch your life and it'll be a testimony like Job wow look at the way that they went through that and they came out on top well praise god for that